Hello and welcome to Decision NYC with Ben Max. I'm Ben Max, your host and the executive editor of Gotham Gazette. The 2021 New York City election season is underway and it's poised to be the most significant municipal election in decades. All of city government is on the ballot and because so few incumbents are eligible to run for their current seats due to term limits, New Yorkers are electing many new office holders and the next roster of city leadership. There will be a new mayor of New York City elected here in 2021, as well as a new city controller, new borough presidents, and many new city council members. And that's not all that's on the ballot. A number of incumbents are eligible for and seeking re-election, and there's a very crowded and competitive race for Manhattan district attorney and more. Party primaries are set for June and the general election in the fall will culminate on November 2nd. This is the first full set of municipal elections that will feature both early voting as well as ranked choice voting, a new system that applies to party primary and special elections only, and we'll explain that on its own in a separate show. This city election cycle would be of enormous importance under more usual circumstances, but it's unfolding at a time of great crisis for our city, raising the stakes of the decisions that you, the voter, will make. The new wave of city leadership will quite clearly make or break the city's recovery from the devastation of the COVID-19 pandemic and its impacts on health, families, jobs, housing, education, and more. Not to mention the crises that the city was facing even before COVID. So we're pleased to bring you this new series of interviews with the candidates running for mayor of New York City, as well as candidates for other offices. These one-on-one -on -one conversations will help you get to know the candidates better, learn about their backgrounds, their platforms, and their vision for the future of our city. We hope this and other interviews will help you sort through your many choices and make an informed decision when it's time to vote. So today's interview, joining me by Zoom is Sean Donovan, a Democratic candidate for mayor of New York City. Sean, thanks for being here. Welcome to the show. Great to see you again, Ben. Thanks for having me. Thanks for taking the time. So broad overview for folks, uh, your background uh, before this run for mayor, where do you come from and, uh, and what have you been up to? Well, Ben, uh, I'm a lifelong New Yorker, and I ended up as a public servant because I grew up in New York City at a, at a different time of crisis. I was born in 66. Uh, I'm the son of an immigrant who came to this city to find opportunity, like so many others from around the world. In fact, my grandfather was one of 10 poor Irish kids growing up on the south side of London. He worked the docks as a teenager, and he traveled to Africa and then South America to try to find a way to support his family. And uh, my dad actually grew up in, in Costa Rica and then Lima, Peru, but came to school here and was able to find opportunity. But you know what really lit a fire in me is that I saw all around me in New York growing up, so many families who weren't finding the same kind of opportunity. I saw homelessness exploding on our streets. I saw neighborhoods like the South Bronx and so many other communities of color in this city crumbling and, and literally burning to the ground. And so I went to work trying to do something for my city. I uh, started volunteering in a homeless shelter in college. And then right after school, I came back and worked for a big nonprofit in the Bronx uh, and in communities like Brownsville and East New York and so many others trying to rebuild those very same neighborhoods I saw burning as a kid. And, and really that started a 30 year career on the front lines of housing and homelessness. 
uh, on issues like economic and racial justice uh, that really led me on the path uh, that I am today uh, as, as a real public servant wanting to be the next mayor, not a politician, somebody who's actually made the city work for everyone um, in a way that I think New Yorkers are hungry for in this moment of crisis. And so you've had some some big stops recently along the way, uh, some some major roles in government, both here in the city and on the federal level. Do you want to outline uh, some of those roles, and maybe um, you know maybe at each one, maybe just mention one thing that you're particularly uh, proud of from from those roles that you've held. So I was lucky enough to be housing commissioner in this city in the wake of 9/11. Uh, and that was the first of many, many experiences I've had in leadership roles, rebuilding after crisis. Uh, and I think it prepares me in a way for this moment of crisis in New York City, that in a way that no other candidate really uh, has seen. One of the things I'm proudest of from my time as housing commissioner under Mayor Bloomberg uh, is Via Verde. It's where I launched my campaign last Tuesday. Uh, I think it's arguably the most beautiful, most green, sustainable, healthiest housing in the country. Uh, in fact, Ruben Diaz, the junior, the, the borough president of the Bronx said when we were cutting the ribbon there that let it be known that where the South Bronx once burned, we're building gardens in the sky. And what he was talking about, we, we, we did an international design competition with architects all over the world and brought them to work with the community uh, in the Melrose neighborhood in South Bronx and, and really uh, right on Brook Avenue, we, we made a commitment that we were gonna create the healthiest housing, uh, affordable housing we'd ever, the city had ever seen. Today, the kids growing up in that uh, building at Via Verde can harvest the vegetables growing on those roofs. They can pick apples off the fruit trees and, and eat them for dinner. And it's exactly the kind of housing that we can build all over the city if we have the right leadership. So Via Verde is something I'm, I'm deeply proud of from, from that period. Happy to talk about my other, uh, my other jobs as well, uh, but it's profound to me. And it's why I launched my campaign from the rooftops at, at Via Verde in the South Bronx last week. And so you went on from the Bloomberg administration to the Obama administration. You were uh, there throughout the two terms uh, in a couple of different roles uh, as housing secretary, as budget director. What are a couple of things you point to from that tenure, especially vis-a-vis -vis New York City, um, that you are, are proud of and talking yeah. about in, in your campaign here? Well, as I said about my leadership in, in times of crisis, one of the things I did when I was housing commissioner in the city is I created the first real aggressive response to the mortgage foreclosure crisis. I saw way too many families, particularly black and brown families in Southeast Queens and Jamaica and other neighborhoods whose homes were being stolen by foreclosure. We, I started something called the Center for New York City Neighborhoods that got me noticed by President Obama. Uh, so he chose me as housing secretary in the midst of the worst housing crisis of our, of our lifetimes. And because of not just the housing work that I'd done, but all my deep experience in New York rebuilding our neighborhoods, when Sandy hit, he asked me to lead the entire federal response to, to Sandy. 
And so all of those efforts are obviously things that, that I'm proud of. Uh, I think I'm particularly proud of the fact that when we rebuilt uh, New York City after Sandy, uh, in the heart, we just had the eighth anniversary. I was actually walking the boardwalk out in the Rockaways on the eighth anniversary with Donovan Richards and, and other community leaders. I went to Staten Island to visit a school that had been hard hit right on the water. Uh, and in so many of those cases, I think what I've been able to do is not just to rebuild, but to use those moments to really work with communities. So often when we rebuild communities, we look at it as something that, that we do for the communities. It, it, it's almost something that happens to them, but, but what we need to do is have a partnership that really works with communities and for communities when we're, that's what happened in Via Verde. And that's what we did after, after Sandy in a way that the city was able to recover, not just to where it was, but better, stronger and safer. And I started uh, a number of real landmark efforts under something called Rebuild by Design, uh, focused on Staten Island, uh, on partnering with Damaris Reyes and public housing leaders in the good old Lower East Side, uh, a great organization of tenant leaders in public housing, to really focus on rebuilding in a way that put equity at, at the center and, and made neighborhoods better and stronger than they were before the storm. Let me ask you um, a couple follow-ups about some of that experience. Um, one on Sandy, a lot of people frustrated with how the rebuilding effort went here in the city. Um, there were major issues with the Build It Back program and just challenges around that. What, what's your diagnosis of what, what went wrong there? And was there an element of that federal leadership that you would have done differently looking back at it now? Well, look, there are absolutely challenges with the federal programs for, for rebuilding. Um, and without getting into the, the weeds on it, the Stafford Act, which really lays out the legislation uh, under which the federal government works, has serious issues. Uh, we made a bunch of reforms after Katrina that improved it, uh, but there's still a lot of work to do. But, but here's the thing, Ben. We allocated $60 billion to the region. We got that done faster than any federal administration in history. We allocated that money, got it to, to the cities. One of the things, one of the reasons I'm running for mayor is because I learned that while the federal government can do its part, at the end of the, end of the day, where the rubber meets the road is local leadership. And, and what you need is a mayor who can roll up their sleeves, know how government works effectively, and make this a city that works for everyone. That was, you know, I, I'll, I'll say we were very frustrated by uh, the, the lack of a partner. And, and I'll also say that, you know, I worked effectively with Governor Cuomo. We were able to move more quickly in other parts of the state than in New York City because of some of those uh, challenges and frustration with Build It Back and some of the some of the other programs in the implementation. Well, is there one thing you'd point to above all others that, that was the local frustration in New York City, the, the problem? So I believe that, and I've seen this over and over again, um, so many of these efforts require bringing together all of the different parts of government with communities. Because look, let's face it, 
in in the average day, a New Yorker does doesn't you know one day have a day where all they think about is housing. The next day, all they think about is transportation. The next day, all they uh, think about is whether the streets are safe. Those are issues that happen all at the same time every day for every New Yorker, no matter what neighborhood you you live in. And so you need a government that is led by a, a chief executive in the mayor who can make all the pieces of government work together. It's one of the things that I've really uh, focused on and learned to lead on in my career is a all of government response. It's, it's how we made huge progress on homelessness. When I led that strategy for President Obama, we dramatically reduced street and, and family homelessness. In, working with the best mayors around the country, we actually ended veteran homelessness in more than 80 cities and states, not reduced it, but ended it. And here's been, let me just, one of the things I, I really focused on in my uh, announcement is what I call a, the 15 minute neighborhood. And look, if you've lived in a wealthy neighborhood in, in New York City, you've probably always been used to finding whatever you need within 15 minutes. But there's so many neighborhoods across this city that don't have access to a great school for their kids, uh, transportation that gets them where they need to go to good jobs, healthcare, fresh food, all of the things that make the city work within 15 minutes. And, and to, to really realize that vision, we need to have every single part of government working effectively together to make this a city that works for everyone and to make neighborhoods that work for everyone. So I'm glad you mentioned that I was going to uh, ask about the 15 minute neighborhoods, but um, another thing that you've, you've put out so far, the, the big plan that you've released as of the time we're talking, you might have others out by the time people see this, but uh, is, is related to climate change and resiliency. And that goes obviously back to the discussion we were having, at least in part around Sandy. Do you want to uh, give the highlights of what that, that plan looks like and how does it relate to housing? Because that's obviously one of the biggest pieces when we talk about rebuilding from Sandy is getting people back in their homes or figuring out new homes. Um, you know, do, do we need to retreat from the shoreline, for example, you know, things like that. But what's the, what's the highlights of your resiliency plan and, and that you would try to put in place if you're elected mayor? I, I'm so glad you asked about it, Ben, because I, I want to be clear, New Yorkers are hungry for real ideas about how we not just repair and rebuild the city, but also how we reimagine it at this time of crisis so that it works for everyone. And I have more than 200 volunteers working on policy for my campaign on 12 different teams. Uh, it's a scale of building ideas in partnership with New Yorkers across this city that I don't think any mayoral campaign has ever uh, been able to put together. And so you're going to see a constant uh, set of ideas. We're going to be the campaign of ideas, and you'll see week after week new ideas that we're putting forward, very specific ideas of how we're going to bring the city back and make it even stronger than it was before uh, COVID and the intertwined crisis of, of racial inequality in this city. On the climate plan in, in particular, look, like in so many areas, New York City should be the best city in the world. We should have the best city government and we should be leading the world in so many areas. And while I didn't agree with Mike Bloomberg on everything, you, uh, your listeners may not uh, agree with him on everything, he did lead the world on, on climate. He brought mayors across the world together, helped get the Paris Agreement done in so many other areas. So my commitment is to be the leading city on climate 
once again. But here's where I would really focus in this moment um, is building on many of the things he did. We need to make a, a bigger commitment to equity because I've seen it over and over again. I saw it in Sandy, we've seen it in COVID. Those communities that are most vulnerable before a crisis hits are always hurt the worst by it. So I have to say, I was outraged, but I wasn't surprised that black and brown people were dying at much higher rates uh, than others in COVID. Because that's what happened in Sandy, it's what happened in Katrina, it's what happened in every single crisis that I've, I've worked to rebuild from. And so, in my climate plan, we are laser focused on making sure that the people and the neighborhoods that are so often left behind are prioritized. What does that mean? That means when we make investments to protect communities, like we did after Sandy, the, the public housing residents of the Lower East Side, uh, most vulnerable communities in Staten Island, uh, in the Rockaways, uh, in public housing, those have to come first. What it also means is that we need a real environmental justice frame so that, for example, when we're closing uh, plants to focus on what we call the peaker plants, which are disproportionately lo located in black and brown communities in New York City that are producing all kinds of health, uh, asthma, and other, other challenges. So that's one thing. The second thing I would say is really putting a focus on jobs. At this moment of depression level unemployment, particularly in black and brown communities, we have a huge opportunity to lead the world in being the, the best city, but bringing the, the 21st century jobs around renewable energy. Give you a very good example. Governor Cuomo has been a leader on wind power and we ought to win the, uh, the port that is going to bring all the turbines, assemble and ship them out into Long Island Sound. Those are incredibly well-paying jobs, highly trained. We ought to be building, as I proposed, a green climate core right now to make sure that folks that are too often left behind get those 21st century jobs with good pay, good benefits. We should work with unions to do that. NYCHA is another good example. Public housing has been left behind for far too long. Think about all the solar capacity we could build on the rooftops. One in 14 New Yorkers lives in public housing, and all of those rooftops could be put to work to make sure we lower their energy bills, we produce revenue to help fix up the buildings, and lower emissions in communities that are so often the victims of pollution. All of those are things that we can do in my climate plan. I'm glad you brought NYCHA back up because I wanted to ask you about that again, tying it between your, your climate plan, but also your work as housing secretary, you, your work as housing commissioner under Bloomberg. When you look at the state of NYCHA now, are you satisfied with, with the work that you did, um, especially in the federal government, to get funds to NYCHA, to, to invest in NYCHA's future? Is there a reason that under uh, eight years of President Obama, there wasn't more investment in NYCHA where we're not at the point where we're at today, where public housing is crumbling and $40 billion in need? So Ben, two things I would say about that. One is right when we came in, uh, you'll remember that the Great Recession had hit. Uh, even before I started as HUD secretary in January of 2009, uh, I was working with leaders in Congress as, as we were transitioning into the, to the White House on the Recovery Act. You remember this was the, the bill, uh, almost a trillion dollars that went to try to rebuild the economy 
uh, at that point. I led the charge to make sure there was the biggest infusion of dollars into public housing that we'd seen in a generation. So we did get that done right away. And we actually proposed and did get increases in public housing in the first few years. But when Congress switched, uh, ultimately the Congress decides the budget, we started to see the cuts in public housing funding again that we've seen frankly for, for, for decades. And so what I did was to find innovative new solutions where we could use Section 8 funding and other things to ensure that you could actually rebuild public housing. We've now seen over a million units of public housing around this country rebuilt using those innovative solutions. But I'll go back to something I said before. At the federal level, you can make all kinds of changes, investments. If you don't have a local leader in City Hall, who can actually put that money to work effectively. And it took too long for Bill de Blasio to decide that he was open to using those, those tools. And just now we've seen that start to happen, but we need to be much more aggressive. I'm actually uh, cautiously optimistic that a new proposal for a preservation trust uh, at NYCHA could be an effective way. We need to get state approval. We need other steps but it could be effective way uh, to start to make the changes at NYCHA that we, that we need. But frankly, it's been too long. That, that should have happened many years ago. So, so, so one of the keys you're referring to there is, is what uh, many refer to as the RAD program. So there's the RAD program, there's this preservation trust that you, you are supportive of. Any other big pieces? We don't have time to really discuss uh, the details of them, but if you're mayor, the other big pieces, there's federal aid, there's RAD, there's the Preservation Trust. Do you have any other big pillars of a NYCHA plan? I talked about the way we could use innovative energy strategies to bring, but, but let's be clear, Ben. For too long, NYCHA has been left behind by mayors. It's become a political football. And what we need is a, a mayor who finally puts public housing at the center of, of the plan. So uh, I would make sure for the very first time that NYCHA became a critical part of the city's affordable housing plan. And that there was, we're not gonna be able to fix the problems just with city funding or state funding. We absolutely need federal funding. And look, there's nobody in a better position given my deep relationships with incoming President Biden, incoming Vice President Kamala Harris, but also all of the incoming leaders in the administration and the leaders in Congress, I'm the one of any of the candidates who could go and get the, the help that we deserve uh, from, from Washington. But we also need a big city commitment as part of the city's housing plan. And I would be the first mayor to actually include public housing as a central part of the city's housing plan as well. Speaking of the city's housing plan, that's where uh, I wanted to go next. So uh, that's a good segue. What would a Mayor Donovan, you know, what would pillars of a Mayor Donovan's housing plan look like understanding, you know, maybe you haven't fully fleshed that out yet, haven't decided exactly all the details of what your housing plan exactly will be in this campaign, but are there policies um, that you know that you would anchor some of a housing plan in? Absolutely. And we, we've talked a bit about NYCHA. I mentioned to you, Ben, that what got me started in a 30-year career in public service and working in housing and homelessness was what I saw on the streets of New York as a kid. And 
frankly, being shocked and angered that in the wealthiest city, in the wealthiest country on earth, we could have people sleeping on our streets. And you know what? We have more people that are homeless today, more New Yorkers than any time since the depression, more than when I was a kid growing up in New York. And that is simply unacceptable. So I will be laying out, I've talked about it, but when we release our full housing plan, you'll see a detailed strategy to reimagine the right to shelter in this city as a right to housing. I know we can house anyone. Now we have to have to house everyone. And I know we can do that because I led that strategy for President Obama where we made dramatic progress. And guess what? Not only are the human costs of homelessness enormous, the kids who are not getting school, the health challenges, the mental illness, uh, the subject, all of those things are, are much, much worse than they need to be. The fiscal costs of it as well, it's actually cheaper to solve the problem than it is to put a Band-Aid on it the way we're doing right now. We spend $3 billion a year on shelter. And you know why that is? Because where do you get your health care when you're living on the streets? In our emergency rooms. You, you end up cycling in and out of Rikers and the, public, the, the mental health wings of public hospitals. This is a solvable problem. I'm the only candidate in the race who actually has solved this problem. And I will do that as mayor. So that's so, one key, key just, area. Just because, yeah, just because we're short on time, I only actually have a couple minutes left. Um, is uh, a lot more housing development part of that plan? Do you wanna see a building boom, especially in wealthier neighborhoods as part of, of the housing future well, in New York City? Absolutely. Look, one of the, one of the things I, I announced in my, uh, first speech uh, when I announced for mayor last week, I would be the first mayor ever to have a chief equity officer reporting directly to me. Because as I said, it, we need a mayor who recognizes that every issue in New York is an equity issue. And right now we've had a, 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 a plan that has focused rezoning and building on lower income black and brown communities. There hasn't been uh, shared growth. And I think it's absolutely right that we need to do that. But I also think we need a, a new way of thinking about development in our communities. I call it equitable growth, where we begin with a, a real community-oriented planning process that brings residents and, and puts all of our tools, our city planners and everything else, at the disposal of communities to say, here's the expertise. What's your vision? Help us shape that. That's what I did at Via Verde. That's what I did in Rebuild by Design after, after Sandy hit. Um, I know we can, be, we can do it because I've been doing this for 25 years. Yet last week when I announced Ana Vincente of Nos Quedamos, one of the best community organizations in the, in the city that started 30 years ago in, in crisis, building a community development plan that was truly for the community and with the community, um, that's exactly the kind of planning that we should be doing everywhere. And if we started with that, I believe we wouldn't end up in the kinds of fights that we did uh, around Amazon, or around Industry City. We could actually bring communities together and have the right kind of growth. Because here's the question. Are you okay with the status quo? Do we have enough affordable housing in the city? Absolutely not. We need the right kind of development of truly affordable housing like Via Verde um, all over the city. So understanding that these next few questions, which I'm asking for just a yes or no from you, uh, unfortunately could all be 15, 20, 30 minute conversations on their own, understanding there's a lot of nuance uh, to this. Just wanna 
get you on a, on a few other things. Do you support continuing on with the plan to close Rikers Island and build four new jails? I absolutely support closing Rikers. I think if we could get our population down low enough, we may not need four replacement uh, jails, but I, I raised my kids in the shadow of the Brooklyn. Oh. <laughs> I, I am, I believe communities have to accept that we're going to have uh, places until we can eliminate jails, until uh, we need to be in communities. Didn't get to this, but uh, is, is infill development, is, is new housing development on underused NYCHA land part of the future for NYCHA in your opinion? I think if we do it right in planning with communities, absolutely. For seniors that need services, so many other important needs in, in public housing. Is the roughly 35 to 36,000 officer NYPD headcount about the right number? Should it be more, should it be less? Well. My criminal justice plan has three key pieces to reimagine policing, to reduce it, and to reinvest. I do think that means that we should be asking the police not to be policing the hallways of our schools, be mental health experts with our homeless. So I think we can reduce what we're asking the police to do and reinvest that savings. Uh, I don't have time to, to follow up there, but we'll do that another time. Lastly, um, if, last two, actually, if you had to give Mayor de Blasio a letter grade for his tenure, what would it be? Honestly, Ben, uh, I'm focused on the future. I think New Yorkers are focused on the on the future. Okay. No, uh, no letter I'll grade. let other people grade him. Lastly, I think I know. Is who has the right vision for the future of this city and can make it a city that works for everyone. And very much lastly, um, is there someone in politics, past or present, that you consider a role model? Well, in my announcement speech, I certainly talked about John Lewis, whose portrait is over my right shoulder. I got to know him almost 30 years ago when I retraced the route of the Freedom Rides on the 30th anniversary. He's been a hero of mine for three decades. And obviously, Barack Obama is uh, a huge hero. But I would say Johnny Ray Youngblood and Ana Vincente uh, are, are heroes as well. Bishop Youngblood, I started working with 30 years ago to build Nehemiah homes in Brownsville in East New York. Okay. And uh, he's a hero too. All right, several heroes. All right, Sean Donovan, thank you for the time. Appreciate it. Uh, it's good to talk with you. Thanks, Ben. It's great to be with you. And thank you for watching Decision NYC with Ben Max. Key decisions for New York City voters are coming up in June and the fall. There's a lot on the line for all of us and the future of our city. I hope this conversation was helpful. I'm Ben Max, see you next time.